Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. What's wrong? The name DeVoe means something to you? I smell a mystery. Welcome into this issue 81 of the DC Primetime Podcast from the Showcast Spotlight here on the Next Level Podcast Network. I am Ben Beck. And from the Caffeine Crew cast of pods, I am Rob Martin. And we are into week four of the Arrowverse shows. Uh, first things first, before we get started with this, Rob and I are coming off an event last night. We have to give a big, I don't even know if he listens. I don't think he does, but we're going to do it anyway. Yeah. Um, a big shout out to our buddy Bill, uh, and our friend and, uh, his new wife, Megan, who got married yesterday, which, uh, the wedding was a, we had a blast. Yeah. It was a great time. <laughs> it's yeah. So much fun last night. I am. I'm still very tired. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I'm not so tired. I'm I'm okay. My throat's a little sore, but yeah, that's, um, I think that's more where I'm at right now. There's I a think lot it's of one. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just <laughs> to say a lot of dancing, a lot of singing, uh, photo booths. Almost, almost had a visit from a celebrity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We tried. We tried. We, we, we did. I, it was. I knew it was going to be a slim chance, but it was. It was worth the shot. It was worth the shot. It was so funny too because when we went over to arrange it. Uh, and we, when we went over to the theater to talk to the box office, they were talking – we initially went over to see about tickets to the show that he's a part of. And I don't want to say the name just in case, but um, my cat's making so much noise in the background. Um, we uh, – we ha- our friend Aaron went over to talk about the tickets because the show was sold out through the, the course of the run. Uh, and then they looked at me. They're like, all right, you're the schmoozer. You're up. Mm-hmm. So, so I was the one that had to step up. And make the pitch to see if we could get him to stop over to the wedding afterwards. Uh, and then as we're walking back, everybody's like, we gave that to you because you're the schmoozer of the group. You talk to agents. You talk to celebrities. So this was totally your wheelhouse. Yeah, it gets all on you. And he's like, damn it. <laughs> so, Oh, I have no problem doing it. I oh, I know you don't. Yeah. I, was, I stepped right up. I was like, yep, all right. Uh, and it almost happened, but... Yeah, but like I said, yeah, my best man duties are done, and I'm so happy about that because it was... <laughs> Oh, my God, that wedding being crammed into everything that's going on currently. I was like, oh, Christ, please no. But you I know, was really happy. I was happy to do it for Bill, though. And so. you know what's funny, too, is I've been on stage in front of, like, hundreds of people at a time many times. When I was a best man and I had to give that speech, that was the most nervous I have ever been speaking in front of people. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like, we do podcasts. You and me have been on panels. It's just like, yeah, I I don't know, because, like, you know what, performing's not a big deal. When it's a whole intimate gathering and a whole bunch of people you don't know, nor do you think they're going to get half the references you say, which was definitely part of my speech last night. Yeah. I'm like, I don't <laughs> know how this is going to go over, but it's for Bill, so 
I'll do it up. So yeah, it's it's weird because like you said, we've done a bunch of that stuff, but there's something just different about a best man speech that uh, it it just it terrifies you at first. Uh, oh, well, like I said, you know, for those of you that listen to Caffeine Crew too, uh, obviously you know Bill from that show. But uh, yeah, I, he uh, he loves puns, and I hate puns. <laughs> so I, I my wife was amazing and wrote this epic pun run for him that was just all revolving around PC gaming, mostly Blizzard stuff. And uh, man, it, it it hurt my soul to say half of that. So, <laughs> but it went, I, but it went over well, and you did get laughs from people other than our group. Yes, which was good. Which yes, was good. So, so uh, let's jump into things. Then. Yeah, let's do it <laughs> and talk about this week's show. Starting off first with our one of three point ranking of each week's episodes of each of the episodes this week. Starting off first with Supergirl season three episode four. Uh, Rob, would this one be a sidekick hero or legend? Yeah, I, I'm gonna go hero. <laughs> yeah, they're fighting. Sorry, it's all right. Oh, that was just great. I was just kind of like open my mouth and it just like cat noises came out. Uh, but I gotta say, I, I'm gonna go hero. There was a lot to like about the episode. I will definitely say that. I think they played with some cool concepts, and it was great to see the cult of Superman kind of story adapted for Supergirl, and I thought it worked well. Uh, but still, hero. Okay, yeah, I'm going the same boat. Um, it's starting to find a little bit more traction with me. I know I haven't been as extremely happy with Supergirl as I could have been. Um, but it's getting a hero for me as well. Like I said, it's starting to find some traction. And I do like what they did with the cult of Supergirl in this episode as well. And I have some theories about the way the episode ended. So we'll talk a little bit about that when we get into the breakdown of the episode. Uh, this one's going to be a no-brainer. <laughs> I know we talked about this last night. Season 4, episode 4 of The Flash. Sidekick, hero, or legend. Oh, Flash gets a legend. Um, man, that's that was one of my favorite episodes in a while. I mean, I keep saying that about the show. It's just, man, this right now, we'll, we'll get into it when we talk Flash, and especially when we talk Arrow. I think this will come up again. But yeah, this is definitely getting a legend. Yeah, uh, same with me. Like I said, no brainer. It's there's just something about this season of The Flash. Every episode has been a total blast to watch. Uh, we're getting to see new powers and new abilities, which is great. Uh, and introductions to the new characters that we're seeing are just particularly the one that we got this week. Uh, take us back to childhood, and I'm absolutely loving this season. It's Whereas season five of Arrow last week, I think, kind of topped, or last week, last season kind of topped the shows, uh, Flash is killing it. Yeah, there, There's yeah. no doubt in my mind, Flash is my favorite show of the four this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, we have Legends of Tomorrow, Season 3, Episode 4, Sidekick, Hero, or Legend? It gets a very happy 80s legend for me. <laughs> um, yeah, down to jams and brightly colored t-shirts and color-changing crap. It doesn't matter. It gets a legend. It is just, oh, God, it was so good. I love yeah. it. I'm right there with you. It's a legend. Uh, the 80s references are great. The Back to the Future one in particular. Uh, being the huge Back to the Future fan that I am, I love seeing a Back to the Future reference in anything that I do. Uh, but story-wise, even, too, outside of the 80s stuff, but just the story with um, you know with Professor Stein and such, it seems like we're, we're leaning more and more towards him going to be leaving more, partic- more soon uh, than we expected. But uh, yeah. yeah, it feels like he's got an episode or two left, and that's about it. Yeah. Uh, so legend, uh, legend for me as well. And finally, we have Arrow season six, episode four, sidekick, hero, or legend. Yeah, it gets a hero. I, I you know, as, as exciting as it was to have Michael Emerson uh, join the mix this week, I, I'm a little worried about Arrow, man. I, I'm not going to lie. 
No, I'm I'm with you. Uh, it's a hero, and unfortunately, it's kind of a lower tier hero. Yeah, it was it was skating week. dangerously close to a sidekick. Um, and it's not. It, I mean, like you mentioned, uh, Michael Emerson coming into the fray is great. We've been looking forward to it for a while, and I'm a big Michael Emerson fan. But um, to me, if if he had not appeared in this episode, this would have been a sidekick. Yeah, yeah, um, I really hate to say it. He he saved the episode for me. Uh, but let's get into the breakdowns. Let's jump back to the beginning and starting off first with Supergirl Season 3, Episode 4, titled The Faithful. Kara investigates a secretive new group whose leader, Thomas Coville, has a mysterious connection to Supergirl. Meanwhile, Samantha feels like she's letting Ruby down. Uh, right off the bat, I love the fact that the episode actually is a flash starts off with a flashback of two years earlier. Uh, back to the beginning of Supergirl. Yeah, the pilot episode. It was a great callback, and it was nicely done. I love seeing it from a different perspective. Yes, exactly. Um, So, I mean, it's it's very interesting to see how this will how this ties into the entire episode too with the cult of Supergirl. Uh, But I do have some notes about um, the story itself. Uh, As past episodes seem to have done so far this season, we're starting to notice that every episode of Supergirl kind of revolves around an overarching theme. And when I say theme, I don't mean like a theme of of the show. I mean like a, a life theme. Uh, you know, I think last week was, you know, marriage and family was one of the overarching themes. This this week, obviously, I think is very, uh, very obviously religion is one of the big. But handled beautifully. Like, yes. I was really, really impressed with how well they handled it. For little things that they've done, like I, we mentioned last week, was the, like the heavy-handedness with the little political stuff. Um they did this perfect. They really did. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, we we, as I mentioned last week, one of my the things that one of the points of contention with last week's episode was it was very heavily political and it focused on one particular point of view. Whereas religion, uh, you know, being the overall focus of this episode, there were multiple points of view. They actually went through and they showed that there are multiple religions out there. Everybody you know, uh, puts their faith into different things and they focused on that rather than one particular way. And I, I got to say, there was this beautiful sequence near the very end of the episode where it's Kara is praying to Rao. They go to Coville that's praying, you know, obviously he's jumping way ahead, but like in his cell uh, to Rao as well, but also to Supergirl. And then you get this great shot of John walking in with his father, the yes. EO, kneeling down with them and then just looking at each other, smiling and continuing to pray to their gods. And that was it was so well crafted and it was just showing, hey. It, there's so many different slices, and especially now in the sci-fi world, I love the fact that they handled it that way. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. I mean, and you and you mentioned the the scene with you know with John and his father, uh, seeing his father again and knowing that he has that connection to his father after that episode, uh, that brought a huge smile to my face when we actually got to see Columbia appear in this episode. Yeah, I'm really happy that it shows like they're not going to be afraid to make sure he pops up plenty as as often as they can get him. He was such a strong character last week. To make sure that they remind everybody, oh, he's still here. Oh, perfect. I'm very happy about that. Please. Yeah. Let's see more of that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm not I'm not sure if you're familiar with this at all, but the actor that played Thomas Colville, the leader of the cult of Supergirl, is actually a relative of a very well-known actor. No, actually, I was not aware. Uh, he is the brother of Rob Lowe. Oh, no kidding. Yes. He is Chad, That's awesome. uh, Chad Lowe. So, uh, and I recognize him from a couple other projects I had seen him in before. So it was actually kind of fun to see him uh, appear uh, in in this and recognize recognize his face from other projects too. That's awesome. Um, 
I want to focus. Obviously, we're going to talk about the cult of Supergirl and you know, Children of Rao and, and things like that as such, because that is the main point of this. Uh, but I want to jump to one thing in particular first before we talk about that, and that's the whole Samantha Ruby storyline. Uh, we're now seeing it become integral to Kara as we're seeing her and Lena and you know Samantha all hanging out. They're obviously now all interconnected <clears throat> in this way. But I'm starting to lean more and more. You know, we we had made the prediction before that what's going to lead Samantha to become Rain is one of two things. Either something is going to happen to Ruby and it's going to turn her bad or Ruby is going to be part of her salvation a little bit later on. It could technically be both at some yeah. point. Well, I think we got a couple hints. Uh, there's a couple synopsis coming up and it seems like there's going to be a, two, a team up between the two of Kara and, and Samantha in the future. We do know that, uh, and that's going to be relatively in the next few episodes. My guess is something goes horribly wrong during one of those. So I think you're you're right that it's going to lead to maybe Ruby's death or something like that. And I'm, I'm starting to believe that a little bit more and more, especially now after this episode, because we're seeing the great relationship that Samantha has with Ruby, but it's also kind of neglectful. Right. And it, there was that little thing of her feeling like she's letting, letting her daughter down. I think it's going to be something that she's... She's going to be responsible for her death or Kara is not going to be able to save her in time. And there's going to be ramifications between the two of them because of it. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out. Yeah. Yeah. Me, me as well. Uh, so I'm, I'm starting to believe more and more that my prediction of something unfortunately bad happening to Ruby is what's going to lead to a, a lot of this that we're going to see. Because I think we're going to see her become Rain a lot sooner than we expected. Yeah. But I think it's going to be she's going to come come out more as a hero at the start, but I think we're going to see her kind of transition into the villain, which I really like that idea for this season. Uh, I really like the idea of grasping onto a character and actually finding them to be somewhat endearing. Like, she's been a good character so far. little thin still, but they're doing enough to show us who she is. And uh, I think as they continue in the next few weeks, I think that's going to continue to build. And I think when she does have her fall, I think it's going to be pretty powerful. So. Yeah, uh, no, I'm, I'm with that as well. Because we did see a little bit, too, at the end of the episode, since we're talking about Samantha, um, not the very end of the episode, because I actually, believe it or not, I think those two events, uh, the first with Samantha and then the second with the ship, I think they're not connected. I actually do. I, I do think they actually are. So let's wait okay. and see. Okay, yeah, we'll talk about that as we, yeah. we've, as we focus on it. But, you know, we did see a little bit more about Samantha. She's having more visions of, you know, we saw the Kryptonian written, written on her face. Uh, and obviously, I, I'm believing somebody who was probably a true child of Rao. Uh, that was appearing to her as well. Yeah, which was a really creepy, creepy look. Uh, that was a really well-done effect shot. I loved how that looked. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah, me too. Um, one other thing before we start talking about the the um, the Cult of Supergirl part of this episode, I'm starting to believe that I'm really hoping we get to see more of Erica Dorrance as Kara's mother as the season goes on. Because I'm starting to think if you cast somebody like Erica Dorrance as, as Kara's mother uh, and we're only seeing her in these little bits and pieces. I mean, obviously, she's not alive. She's she's not a living character. We're seeing her in flashbacks. Um, I'm feeling like it's a little wasted at this point. Well, I think we're going to see I think we're going to see a lot more now that there's that new Kryptonian artifact out there. I think we might see a lot more of uh, Kara speaking to her mother that way. I think that's where we're going to see it. Okay. All right. Yeah, I could. I could see. That's what I mean. I, I'm hoping we get to see a little bit more of that as that goes on. Uh, mm-hmm. But let's talk about the cult of Supergirl because that was obviously a big point of this episode. What are 
what were your what were some of your highlights of this? Because I know this is a big storyline that's run through Superman quite a bit. Oh yeah, and it's existed in Superman for such a long time. They bring bring this back up every once in a while. But you know what? I really loved this idea, and I have always loved it in the comics too. Like it's it's these really know nothing people like but they're just people that have been impacted but i love this moment that they have this support group that like kind of like supergirl saved us we were nothing and this kind of turned us around and gave us hope for the future uh oddly enough you even see a little bit of that in bbs they never call it the cult of superman but it's there it's in the background of it all these people worshiping him um but like you see it in here but i love the fact that Kara sees you know this pamphlet on samantha's desk and is like can i keep this shows up to the support group and everybody's going up telling their stories of how they were saved um, and she makes this great mention to, to Jimmy and it's, or sorry, James, it's always hard not to call him Jimmy. Olsen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but to James and it's kind of like, it's like, do you remember this person? And she's like, I remember every single person in this room. And I loved what that did for my viewpoint of Kara as a hero, uh, that she is this person that feels connected to every single person she saves in one way, shape or form. And that was that jog of, she's like, I know every one of these people, the moment that I've saved them, all these things. And that was such this great building moment for her character. I really, truly loved that small line that feels so in- insignificant but ends up being such a powerful thing for her character for the future. Yeah. Um, and I think that actually plays – I think that line play, is going to play really heavily into maybe the redemption of Rain near the end of the season. So um, – but you know what? I loved this – how you know, Koval's this kind of you – know, after this meeting ends, he meets – Kara, they talk, and he immediately is like, I know who you are. You know, you don't have to BS this, but I love the fact that he views her as like, look, you know, this is, you're being tested by by Rao, and, and honestly, in the part of it, she really kind of is. She's still kind of going through the loss of Monel. We That was a big focus in the first few episodes. They even bring it up again this episode, when, uh, you know, Samantha asks Kara if she's seeing anybody, anything like this, and she even mentions, I'm still getting over a lot of things right now in my life. Um, but it's, it's, I kind of think that all played together really kind of nicely, but I, I love that Carr was terrified of his knowledge of what could come of this, but I love the religious aspect that he got from Kovo. It was like, no, I would never call out a God, you know, yeah. or do something like that because it's, I'm here to kind of be there for you in a way. And even though it was in a twisted kind of creepy way, um, I think it was a really impactful, powerful episode for her character because of that. And I think that was – it was like I said, I, I can't stress enough on how beautifully they played up that aspect of the episode. No, I mean and you and you brought up a good point too because we see it at the end after Coville was already caught and he's locked up and he's speaking to Kara again. And, you know, he even said – because, you know, she makes it a point that, to say like, are you going to reveal who I am? And he says, no, like I don't even remember your name. Uh, I know you gave me a name, but I honestly, I don't remember it. And I don't know if there's truth to that or not, or if that's basically uh, what he's telling her to comfort her. I think it was it was a level of comfort, because the way he said it, it was just kind of like when somebody says, like, you're not going to say words, like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, you know, it's and that's one of those. That's what I yeah. chalked it up to, too. But you, you're right. I mean, he makes a point to her that and he tells her, like, you you're broken right now. And this is, you know, you need to to, to find yourself and. <clears throat> that's been something that's been running throughout this entire um this entire third season <clears throat> is the fact that she is she's she's a broken person right now because of the because of the loss of Monel. So even if somebody else outside of her notices that, I think this is going to be a big heavy realization for Kara that okay, she's you know, she she's I think she's always kind of known inside that she's broken because of Monel, but now this is going to be something that she's going to face. 
Yeah, and I, I he had, makes a great line after that. It's kind of like I was like, you know, I'm not going to stop praying to Rao, but I'm also going to be praying for you. And it was just kind of like that was just kind of like a nice little touching end cap on on that storyline, though. So yeah. I think that worked really well. And I and one of the other things I really liked about this episode and the fact that it was the you know the cult of Supergirl is this is actually in essence an episode that if you really think about it, we didn't have a villain. In this week's episode, I mean, yes, there were there were things that they were doing that kind of put people's life in risk. But Coville, to a point, excuse me, was doing things that he felt was right, which, yes, sometimes can be villainous. Uh, You know, there are villains out there that are doing evil things, but they're doing them because they think they're right. But um, this is basically a guy just following faith and it, it leads him to do things, obviously, like I mentioned, that put people's lives at risk. But. He's he in essence is not a villain in this episode. In fact, I think he's very helpful to Supergirl by the end of this. Yeah, I, you know it's kind of funny. It's kind of feels almost more like a flash villain the way that it plays off, where it's kind of like here's the bad guy, but you know there's a like if you think about the major rogues, there's always been a level of respect. <laughs> yeah. Um and I think that's kind of how it it closed out. I mean, obviously he's definitely a zealot in this. I mean, like you see him. You know, they set a massive fire to a building and put a person's life in jeopardy just so he can meet Supergirl. And then, you know, and then he's, he triggers a bomb at the end. Yeah, and no. realizes, oh, crap, uh, I didn't realize there's a crypto, uh, you know, kryptonite in this, and uh, I completely porked this, and we're all fucked. Yeah, so, exactly. <laughs> sorry for the language of that, but yet yeah, the, the honest truth of it. Um, but, you, you know, he realizes the things he's doing and the way he's going about everything is wrong by the end. But he's still, you know, but he is out of prison. He's not going to stop doing what he's doing because it's he's believing in faith at this point. But I don't think his his levels will be as extreme. Yeah. So, but I do hope this is something that we come back to sometime down the road, maybe next season. Uh, you see the continuation of cult. Maybe there's a, a new cult leader that maybe takes things a little bit more extreme. They have to bring Koval in because I think he was a strong character, and I would like to see that continue. Kind uh, of yeah. like. Uh, yeah, like Allah, um, you know, like Barry and you know, um, you know, his father in season one of Flash, um, them talking at some point in time in the well, future of the season. Not only him, but um, who's the other one from the Flash that he ended up becoming a hero at the end of it because of Flashpoint? Um, or be- um, there was the one character from season one that he was a villain, and then he ended oh, up. Uh- Pied Piper. Uh, uh, Pied Piper, yeah. I, I think that I think that's another good example of something that I would like to see Coville become. Uh, like you said, if we bring in the, the Cult of Supergirl back into it a little bit later on and they have to go to – or and Coville becomes somebody who actually assists them in, in stopping the new cult. Yeah. So um, – all right, a couple other things before uh, that we can go- touch on real quick before we get out of here, uh, before we move on to The Flash. Obviously, there's the, the big moment at the end. Uh, but – I think we've seen the final nail of Maggie and Alex. Oh yeah, um, it hasn't been driven in yet, but I think um, I think we've seen that final nail be placed. Yeah, next week. Yeah, say yeah. goodbye. I, say I, goodbye I, to Maggie Sawyer. Yeah, I think that's what it's going to come down to. Is I think this coming week is going to be, and again, it's the Kevin Smith directed episode, which he always hits on those heartstrings very well. And he, um, I think we're going to see, I think this is going to be the final episode of Maggie. And he, or, he's already, yeah. He, yeah, he's already always, always said that he absolutely adores working with Kyler, uh, Kyler Lee in the show. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they picked him specifically because of that reason. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, but let's talk about that final moment because I think we both have two complete—not uh, completely different—but I think we do. We both have two different points of view uh, as far as this goes. I'm assuming when you say it's related to Samantha and Rain, you go into yours, and then I'll go into mine. I'll tell you what I think it is. Okay. Well, I, I think it's uh, you're seeing. Again, it's the awakening of Rain. This is going to be the continuation of what we got the nods to. That's why, you know, when that, you know, that bomb, you know, went off, that like kind of obelisk that they push underground, and we see it kind of uh, go deep underground, the shockwave going off and waking up that pod that we've been getting nodded to for a couple episodes, uh, kind of coming online. Um, that seems like it connects really nicely because they even said, you know, X amount of hours before or 22 hours earlier. When that happened, we see Samantha in her bathroom from that. So the moment that that turns on, so this is this is Kryptonian tech that is kind of waking up who she is. Maybe there's somebody else involved in there somehow, but obviously we see that hand. Uh, so I think it could be very well, uh, um, you know, that person that appears to her, one of those, you know, those children of Rao that's appearing to her, or the people that are involved in the creation of people like Doomsday and Rain originally in the comics. You know, one of those family, uh, you know, those families waking up and kind of reigniting who Samantha really is. Well, now here's my here's my take on this, and, and I do see that connection that you're making about how 22 hours earlier, and then Samantha, you know, uh, saw the the child of Rao and, and such. Um, I don't think this is Kryptonian tech. I have actually gone back and rewatched that scene two or three times, and there are no Kryptonian symbols in that in, t- in that scene at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that I saw at all. This looks like very futuristic tech. I think this is Monel. Oh, it very well could be. I yeah. think this is Monel and other members of the Legion. I think. Oh, they, good thinking, sir. Good I think thinking. I think they've actually been there for a while. They actually did come from the future, but they've actually been there the whole time. Uh, and this shockwave is what actually is awakening this. Uh, I think the fact that it ties into and it happened around the same time as everything with Samantha. I think it's a mislead. Um, and I think that this is actually the awakening of Monel. That actually could very well be the case. I did not put that together because there was a whole mess load of pods in there. Yes, and we only focused on that last one. And you're right; I'm pretty damn sure now that it, you say it, that indeed was Monel waking up, and then the rest of those tubes is some of the members of the Legion we're going to be introduced to. Yes, I think that is Monel and the Legion, and they are waking up from uh. Oh, is it slumber. is it too late to go back and say this episode might get a legend now? <laughs> just because of the ending? Well, I uh, just even thinking about the episode as a whole, I'm like, wow, this was really strong. And this, if that's the, what that really is, we will say this. If that ends up being the case, I'm going to retroactively, I'll go back to this episode. And we're going to say this is a legend. I will too. We'll, we'll I'll, overdub. I'll go with that. We can yeah. even overdub. So if you go back <laughs> to it in the future, we'll just add a little note the way, way back machine. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll but, go with that. Very strong hero. If that comes to pass, man, this episode gets a legend because that's beautiful and wonderful uh, uh, misdirection. So, if so, it, if in if in fact I am right, we if don't know. If you are yet. right, if you are right, we will go back and turn this into a legend. But right now, high hero, right yes. on the edge, man. Uh, but, but that would be a beautiful misdirect. But like I said, rewatch that scene there. I did not pick up on any Kryptonian symbols in that entire scene. All right, I'm gonna so, I'm gonna have to maybe go back and watch that scene a couple more times and see if I can pick <laughs> out some Legion stuff. So, uh, all right, let's move on to. We're gonna talk a lot about this episode. I'm sure we will. Uh, season four, episode four of the Flash: Elongated Journey into the Night, the Tom Cavanaugh directed episode. 
which again, another fantastic job by Kavanaugh. Yeah. Um, he portrayed this brilliantly and not just the fact of all the, the great things that happened to this, you know, we got the, the introduction to the, to Ralph Dibney, uh, didn't Dibney, um, uh, as well as Breacher played by Danny Trejo. But what I really enjoyed about this episode is we got two separate stories that were going on and they balanced them brilliantly. Uh, you know, we, right from the beginning, the opening scene with Cisco and Gypsy and Breacher coming into it, uh, was already, I was sold on the episode from the opening scene. Um, uh, you know, so we get our introduction to Danny Trejo as Breacher, aka Daddy, uh, Gypsy's father, uh, right from the beginning of the episode, and we're off to the races. Yeah. Oh God, it was so good, so so good. Well, um, the the beautiful thing too is I read a little article right before um, even you know watching the episode was Danny Trejo talking a little bit about filming the episode, and he was saying, and the cast was saying, the dude could not stop cracking up. Like every time he had to go into like that evil, vicious look uh, that he was just constantly flashing to Cisco uh, every time the camera stopped or in between takes. He was just cracking up left and right because he said he just loved the cast so much. Um, so I, I think especially Carlos Valdez, from what I understand, just his reactions. They said he just kept breaking Danny. So I love that. I love knowing that going into watching the episode. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I I went back again. This is another episode I've watched twice, and I won't lie. I'll probably end up watching it a third time because it was that great of an episode. Um, Ralph Dibney, uh, the guy, the actor that they have playing um, Ralph is uh, Hartlett Sawyer. And, mm -hmm. dude, he nailed that character. Oh, absolutely my God, he played nailed it that so character. great. And somebody I know that's super critical of the show at times, uh, but always can find the joy and the love of it, is somebody that was on our very first episode and has been on a couple times, TJ. Yeah. Uh, well, we talked to him last night, and I'm like, dude, I got to ask you, what did you think of Elongated Man? And they're like, man. He's like, I was so, so incredibly happily surprised on how well they did him. And I couldn't more than agree. Um, I love that they were like, uh, you know, he's a disgraced ex-cop, all this stuff. But he wasn't. He was doing what he felt was necessary and right to save a person. Uh, and I love that they built this kind of nemesis angle up between him and Barry, but that we come to a mutual understanding by the end of the episode. So it's not going to get played out. Um, but man, he was so fantastic. Honestly, I, I don't know if you got a little bit of a vibe of this too, but um, man, he, he kind of took me back to Jim Carrey in the mask. I don't a know little, why. A, a little bit. Uh, I did. I did get that a little bit too. But you know, going on something that you know, you, I, and TJ were talking about yesterday, um, and it, as a listener, you've already heard this because it's in the opening of the show. Uh, it's our line of the week. But the the very last line of this episode after the credits completely bookended the wonderfulness of this episode. And that is the signature line of elongated man. I smell a mystery with the wiggle oh. of the nose. Oh God. It made me so happy. I mean, <laughs> I got chills when they did that. And I'm like, cause I was afraid that they weren't going to do that. And we actually got that line twice this, this episode, like earlier on, but the one at the end when they did the nose wiggle and I'm like, man, that's so fantastic. And it was so on point. And I really hope this character has a long future in this show. Like, he is a character that seems like he just fits so beautifully in this world uh, and can add, I think, what feels like we're missing now with the lack of Wally, the lack of uh, 
of you know Tom Felton's character Julian, you know, being in the mix. Um, it's it's this beautiful addition that's going to work, I think, so wonderfully in the show. And man, I am so excited for next week just to know that he's a part of it all. Yes, yeah, I was gonna say I think he is a, he he is with the bachelor party next week because uh, next week we know is the bachelor and bachelorette parties of Barry and Iris. So it's and he is with the party with Barry and the group next week. Um, but we're jumping around a lot. Um, it, I want to talk a little bit. Um, <clears throat> let's focus on. I was gonna say let's focus on the machete part of this. Um, uh, you, you, no, 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 no. You, you, Bre- Breacher, aka Josh. Yes, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> aka Josh. Which <clears throat> in the comic books is not his real name. It's not Breacher's real name. But I love the fact that they went with it as the joke. Uh, which was so great. But I also love the fact that when it came to all the breacher elements of this, <clears throat> if you think about this, the breacher elements, everything that breacher had said are definitely points of this show that could be broken through when he's standing there and he's just like, this lab has poor security. <laughs> that's, that's absolutely true. How many people have gotten into that lab? Oh, I know um, it, it made me smile. Cause I love that. They, you know, there's always been so many jokes about the security at Star Labs, especially for a place that has a damn particle accelerator in it. I mean, Christ. But I love that quick nod. But even the other things you saw, too, with the reactions, like, I think I just saw somebody that looked like he could kill me with his face. <laughs> yes. You know? <laughs> and I love, too, that when when you see Breacher meet uh, Harrison Wells, he's like, you look like somebody I sent my daughter to kill two, year- or two years ago. Or a year ago or something like that. It's like, yeah, I get that a lot. Yeah, I get that a lot. It's just so many great one-liners and, you know, to even to the point where he's counting when he's with Cisco. Oh, God, that scene was probably the funniest of them all, which was just kind of like, did you just uh, skip six? He's like, yes, I did. (laughs) Yes, I did. Five. (laughs) Um, I I think if it wasn't, if we didn't use the I Smell a Mystery as the line of the week, my other line of the week would have been uh, Cisco after he traps breacher in the in the in the bubble and he comes repelling from the roof and he says guess who's got a hologram ho uh, ho ho, ho. ho. <laughs> like right out of die hard and i love it oh it's so good it was so good there were so many great <laughs> lines from this week and honestly cisco's been like you know carlos Vélez has been knocking it out of the park this year with his delivery I, and just the flash in general just the level of humor that has come from the show this season has made the show so much better and I didn't realize how dark it really got the last few seasons until I saw how late it was this year yeah. and how much I miss when it's nonstop wall to wall, just line after line that just makes you smile. Yeah. Well, not only that, but one of the things I have to pride the writers on as well as everything else in that particular scene where they're in jitters and it's Cisco and Breacher and they're sitting there talking and Breacher goes into that list of characters that he has stopped before. I, I looked into it. They are legit characters from the DC universe. They're very obscure. Oh yeah, they were like D and E listers. I can't even remember the names offhand right now. Like, but I yeah, they either. were. They were all these lesser characters. But I love the fact that they they are always smart. They always make nods, and they they do their homework. The, the show always does its homework, and I really uh, appreciate that as a comic book fan uh, that you can go back and check um, and see if what they're saying holds up and it's great when it does it, it, it they always it would say more times than not always do 
Yeah, exactly. And not only that, but there are nods outside of the DC universe, too. I mean, there's a particular scene. I don't know if you picked up on it or not. But when Cisco is talking to Harrison Wells and the, he's trying to figure out how he's going to connect to Breacher and, or, or stop him, at least, because he's being chased. And he's going through all the different weapons that he's holding up. One of the weapons, uh-huh. that, he pick, one of the weapons that he picks up is a machete. And I love how that's a nod to, you know, Danny Trejo playing machete in those movies. And, it's and kind such. of it's it's kind of funny too because I didn't put it together then, but the moment you started talking about it, I'm like, oh, when they're at the desk and he picks up the machete and he's uh-huh. like this, and Harry takes it, and he's like, nope, too much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, outside of the the breacher elements, uh, one of the other things I'm really enjoying about this episode, and I, I and this season in particular, we made mention of it, I think, back in ep- either episode one or two, is we're getting to see these abilities that Barry has. That we never saw before. Um, the moment that he goes into Ralph's office and there's a, and Iris finds the bomb, the phasing through the floor with Iris, uh, I thought was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, we only got a quick kind of viewpoint of that once before is when he is actually saving. I think it was Patty Spivet um, when he had to jump through the train real quick and get rid of a bomb. But we've never seen him, you know, take an entire person through an entirety of a building like that. So. It feels like they still haven't run out of things to do. So Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I also love how it's a running joke throughout the entire episode, and it's said by multiple people that Joe is has a glow. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, being an, being a, a soon new papa, uh, which leads all the way uh, to the ending moment when after he gets saved by Barry, he just looks at the flash, and he's just like, Cecile's pregnant. And it Mm -hmm. just comes out of nowhere. We see everybody celebrating finally that the cat's out of the bag about that. Um, But let's go into, obviously, let's talk about Ralph Dibney and the elongated man. Because this was a wonderful introduction to this character. And there were so many fantastic moments that came out of him being a part of this episode. Mm -hmm. So um, what was, I'm sure there are many, but... What is what's one of your favorite moments that came out of this and everything with Ralph? I you know what right off the bat, I love that the like this there's this stupid detail when you first see his character is is the pot belly and I'm like yes. oh I know as soon as he he gets that he's going to like change his shape, give himself a six pack you know and like you could see it coming a mile away but when it happened you just like it was this kind of giddy stupid laughter coming from me and I'm like oh that's great I'm a Hemsworth. Uh, like, yeah. Oh, God, it's so good. <laughs> the lines are fantastic. But, I mean, like, honestly, the sneeze. Dude, I, I don't know what it was. Was that moment just – Oh, like, I know what it was. It was Joe it, vomiting. Yeah, and I loved his line. He's like, you know, four years of the things I've seen, I've never done that once. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so it – again, like, so many moments uh, that came out of this. I think my particular favorite, though, was actually a little bit later on into the episode. I loved the – the sequence of Ralph coming to terms that he could redeem himself, uh, reach up, grab the helicopter, and Barry run up his arm. Oh, God, it was so good. I mean, I just keep saying that about this episode, but, man, I really absolutely loved what they did here. I am so incredibly impressed with The Flash this year, and and this episode was kind of like, this is what I've been feeling about the show since it started back this year, and they're just... You know, minus episode one. I think episode one thing was the only episode we were really critical about. But man, they've just been just dead on now, and has been moving at full speed, and it's been perfect. Yeah, I mean, and that that particular sequence alone is one of the things that really makes me 
really hopeful for the way these two characters are going to interact throughout the course of this season. I don't know if he's going to be a part of the crossover. I can hope that he is. But there's already so many characters involved in the crossover. I don't know if that's what's going to happen. Probably um, not. But I, you know what? We can hope. We can hope. Yeah, exactly. But I, I mean, again, just that sequence alone was one of the things that makes me really hopeful for how these characters can can interact and intertwine, and how he's going to play a critical part to this season. Um, we've also found out that Ralph is bulletproof, uh, which is something you already knew about the character if you're familiar with the character. But um, I did read some stuff online of people making predictions of people thinking that might be something that comes in to play a little bit later of Ralph actually saving somebody's life because of that. So mm. I, I don't know, but that, that's something we're, we're, you know, we're going to have to wait and see. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it very out. true. Uh, but I love, like I said, I still love the idea that it's, we're focusing on these 12 metas uh, this season. And I think that's such a good, strong idea. It's such a great way to go where it's like, we're going through this grid now of who are all the people affected on this bus when that you know the dark matter pulled out of the uh, the portal when and Barry came out, and you know let's not forget one of the other key things that happened in this episode is Barry putting together the whole connection with Devoe and yeah. the fact that you know he was set to be on that bus because of him. He was looking into a case from um, you know the mysterious benefactor named Devoe, and I love that it all clicked together. We got the flashbacks from last season. From, you know, Evil Barry, you know, and um, from uh, Abracadabra. It was great. I love the fact that they, they the seeds were planted last season and he knew what they were going to do. And they're coming out swinging. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the other things I, I made a note of, uh, and this will actually be the end of my notes because I didn't really make a lot for Legends or Arrow. Um, we got a Quicksilver moment, too, going back to Barry's powers. Um, a little bit of a Quicksilver moment from, you know, um, X-Men in which the two guys break into the office uh, to hold up him and Joe and Barry just kind of like points the guns at each other and then just kind of nudges them a little bit so they smack each other in the face and uh, again seeing more of Barry's abilities I love doing I love seeing that as well um, but yeah you mentioned DeVoe being revealed to Barry so Barry's now in the loop of everything I think the only other thing <clears throat> we can really talk about is it's a lead into this coming week's episode is I think we're going to get a little bit more of a focus on Caitlin this week. Yeah, it seems like it's coming. We got that little note that of kind of like we miss you, you know, carved into her, her you know, apartment door. So, uh, which I'm happy to see because like she's definitely taking a little bit of a backseat this season. But you know what? I'm really looking forward to seeing what they're planning on doing, and it's nice to know that they haven't forgotten her. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, but anything else on the flash before we talk about? Real quick, next week, and then we move on to Legends. Something super, super small, but I loved... Actually, it's two things. Um, we're getting more Papa Joe Barry moments again, which has been severely lacking the last year or so. Uh, but I love that they're getting time to have Jesse L. and Grant on screen together and just having these one-on-one -on -one interactions. I think the show really shines when they have those moments, um, and I'm really happy that they're leaning back into them again. But I, secondly, I love the fact... That when they were trying to figure out a name for Ralph, Barry came <laughs> up with like he's like Plastic Man. You know, he's like, sorry, the naming thing is really Cisco's thing. But yeah. I love that they nodded the Plastic Man. That was so great. So, yeah, exactly. Um, and one other thing I want to mention too. One of my other favorite moments of this episode is obviously we see Breacher um, mistake Ralph for a plastoid uh, and actually go after Ralph and um, and Barry. 
Uh, I love the moment that Cisco steps in as, as Vibe and holds his ground against Breacher and stands up to him. Yeah. I thought that was such a strong moment of the show um, and a really come around moment for him and Breacher. So, yeah, but yeah that, definitely. That was one of my favorite moments of this of this episode as well. Um, all right. So looking forward to next week, we have Girls Night Out. Uh, where, uh, as I mentioned in the description, Caitlin Fierce, her pastime as Killer Frost, may come back to haunt her. And as I also mentioned, we're going to see the bachelorette party of Iris and Barry's uh, bachelor party at the same time. Uh, we're going to see Felicity appear in this episode as well. Felicity is going to come over from Arrow <laughs> uh, for this episode, and we're going to see uh, obviously we're going to see Ralph as part of the bachelor party at the same time. Uh, let's move on to Legends of Tomorrow, Season 3, Episode 4, titled Phone Home. The legends go back to 1988 to save Ray when they realize he'll die because of their breaking time. Um, I don't even know where to start with this one because it's <laughs> just so many great 80s pop references. I know our discussions of legends haven't been too long. Um, but well, they, you know the episodes are also a little thin and we don't really know much about the big bad stuff yet this year it's really a difficult show to talk about so far this year because they just feel like these great little one-off episodes with less to do but i think this week we we got a big character building for zari and i I think that was the 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 role of this this week so yeah um and uh, which was something that's very important because we didn't really get that last week in the episode that introduced her so it, it was really good that we did get to see that this week. And uh, she plays a very important uh, part in, in one of my favorite moments of this episode. I believe it was her. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was Zari, but it, it could have actually been um, Amaya. The the bicycle moment. Oh, uh, that was Zari. That was Zari. Okay, that's what I thought. I was pretty sure it was Zari, but I wanted to be 100% sure. But the moment right out of E.T. where she puts her hand on the totem and she's like, God, I hope this works. And we get that E.T. moment of them riding the bicycles, flying in front of the moon. I was like, yeah, that's how could you do this episode without doing that? Yeah. Nod? <laughs> um, but let's jump back to the beginning. Obviously, we see the moments where um, we get a little bit of the moment of uh, young Ray running through the laboratory trying to escape. And next thing we know, we're flashing onto the wave rider of a trust fall between Ray and and Mick, uh, and as Mick is getting ready to fall into Ray's arms, Ray completely disappears from existence. And you know the moment with Ray where he's just like, uh, "He haircut better be dead." <laughs> <laughs> After falling on it on his head. Uh, but one of the things that the only tidbit I I'm kind of confused about with this uh, with this episode is. And I'm sure you can write ways around it because they travel through time. So obviously there's different things that play parts of it. But however, if Ray was was erased from existence and time, how did they remember who he was? Well, they said uh, they did say nothing is set in yet. That's okay. That's that's true. I knew there was an explanation and I wasn't really thinking it uh, too much, but a, but a very back to the future esque moment of him fading out of existence for a second, you know, yes. like, I mean, you know, we've obviously seen this in the show before, but still, um, uh, anytime that happens, your brain immediately goes back to back to the future one, you know, it, it's, it's just the classic sequence and it's hard not to put those things together. So, yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm going to turn it over to you for a minute. Cause I've, I've been 
taking over for the other ones that I know uh, you were just the biggest fan of this one as I am because of the the 80s references and such that were going through it. But outside of, you know, obviously we got the E.T. moments, we got the Back to the Future moments. What were some of the other stronger points of this episode? Honestly, uh, for you. Honestly, one of the dumbest things in the world that I just I loved the stupid gag was uh, them going to Ray's parents house and it's Nate and Amaya and, um, you know, them as animal control knocking on the door. <laughs> Nate looking at his mom is like, yeah, we have a report of a cougar, you know, and uh, <laughs> him flexing his muscles and just being so over the top. But just the playoff between Nate and Ray, it's just like, dude, you didn't say your mom is hot, you know? <laughs> Everything about that playoff and the way that even it culminated later on to a Dominator playing with Nate's head, forcing him to kiss her. <laughs> so I kissed a Dominator. And, and he's like, and I liked it. And uh, But then later <laughs> at the end of the episode, he's like, all right, excuse me, guys, I'm going to go pr- brush my teeth forever. <laughs> so <laughs> And Ray looks at him like, why? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, just, it was such a dumb little sequence that they kept playing back to. But God, dude, every time they did it, I was just laughing my ass off. But Nate had some of the best moments. And it was the little small moment, too, like, you know, in the neighborhood as they're in the middle of suburbia in Ivy Town uh, of him dressed in a tracksuit, waxing a DeLorean, very much dressed like Biff. But he's like, now, now this is what a real time machine should look like. Yes. That line, I'm like, oh, I love the show. It is always after my heart with like these these wonderful references to the things that we love so much. And I think, you know what, this episode came at a perfect time. The fact that they put it in the order date for like when it aired the same week after stranger things came out. So the eighties nostalgia is flowing through everybody like crazy. So the moment that you see it, it just fits so well with where your head's at. So I think it was just such a smart move from the CW that they plotted that so meticulously. If it, so. if it wasn't if it was in fact plotted, I mean, if this was a purely coincidence, then it's the greatest coincidence the show has made. I, uh, I don't put it past them that they planned for that because everybody's known when Stranger Things season two is going to be coming out forever, and they just were so smart about it. Is I, I really think that they had it planned from the beginning. So okay, no, I mean, I can see it. I can definitely see it for sure. Uh, I know one of our listeners, I, I believe it was Shad, actually said like. Um, you know, when he was saying how great the episode was on the Facebook page and he had mentioned, you know, like, and, and by the way, Stranger Things. And we were like, I, I know we talked about it a little bit before we prepped. I, I didn't pick up on any Stranger Things references. So if anybody out there who's listening knows any, please post them on the Facebook page. I think it just went back to the 80s nostalgia, which is also what Stranger Things did. Yeah, I think that's kind of where it was. I mean, like, obviously you get the you know, whole baby dominator and, you know, young Ray. And then you look at Stranger Things season two and stuff with, you know, Dustin and Dart. And Dart, I'll, man. I'll leave it there in case you haven't watched it yet. But, um, but yeah, man, I, I gotta say right off the bat, it was those ties together. I mean, they're definitely there, but I mean, obviously my brain immediately thinks ET first more oh, than yeah. anything else. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, I love that. Like there was these, all these little homages. It felt like the Spielberg. I mean, granted, yes, really just kind of to like his involvement in back to the future. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, ET being the huge one, but man, it just worked. So just fantastic. And man, I just loved to the little reference you get from, from Jax is kind of like, you know, as they're all, you know, coming out trying to wear their 80s clothing, he's just like, regardless of wherever we go, I always look good, you know? <laughs> yeah. And everybody else looks so ridiculous and just wonderfully ridiculous at the same time. So, Over the top 80s. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I know there were two moments I know I wanted to talk about, obviously. One of them sticking with the fun aspects of this um, 
this episode. Uh, four words just pop into my head and talk about this episode. Singing in the rain. Oh, my God. That was <laughs> so wonderfully done. But I love that is like Ray's favorite go-to movie. Like somebody that you think would be like Star Wars or, you know, something like that. Nope. Singing in the rain. Um, and it was just so perfect. But I when love I... that moment. Yeah, the the moment where the Dominator is making the agents dance, and you just see young Ray and the little Dominator just like nodding their heads along with it. Uh, and not only that, but uh, the the moment with Mick on the Wave Rider, where he's like just singing sucks. Fiddler's the best one. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> you would never expect a line of like that out of Mick, <laughs> and it just fits so perfectly when it actually does come into play and it happens. Um, but the other thing I want to talk about in this episode too, obviously, before we go out uh, obviously everything that happens with in the 80s and saving ray is fun nostalgia kind of of uh, elements of this episode but to me the real emotion and actually heartfelt moments of this episode all happen as a side plot of the episode and that's the moments with jack's mick and professor stein uh we find out that he's kind of been taking the jump ship and going back to 2017 to be with his daughter, uh, preparing her for the birth of her granddaughter. And as he's getting ready to leave again, it's because his granddaughter is being born. So we find out that while you're led to believe at first, which I don't think any of us even really believed it at all, that he was working with the Time Bureau, uh, in essence, he's doing this because he wants to be to the birth of his of his granddaughter. Uh, and I love the moments where we see grandson. Is it, did I say, Oh, you said granddaughter. I thought it was granddaughter. No, uh, they named him Ronnie. Oh, that's right. That's right. Sorry. Oh, then was, T- I think TJ was correct. Cause, yeah. Yep. Cause TJ said, um, TJ did say grand grandson. And I said, grand, I corrected him and said granddaughter. Damn it. Uh, sorry, teach. <laughs> sorry, teach. Um, but I, I love the moment that like, even, in that episode, and it's another great Mick moment where when the jump ship is, dist- you know, is damaged and they can't use it, Mick's the first one that stands up and says, all right, we're borrowing the Wave Rider. Yeah. Like, we're going to get you to the birth of your grandson. And I thought that was such a great moment for Mick as well. Um, it, but it, again, it leads us to something that we talked about before is that it's going to be the exit of Victor Garber as Professor Stein. And we even see it at the end when Jax goes to you know, goes to Ray and says, I want to break up Firestorm. Yeah. So uh, it's a question now of how many episodes do we think Victor Garber has left? I don't think he's going to make it to the crossover. I don't either. I think he's going to be, I think he's got two. I think we're going to see him two more times and we'll probably see him make an appearance again before season's end. I think just as a, a, a quick high. Um, but I think we'll, we'll see him. Two more episodes max at this point. I, th- I think it's we are on very borrowed time with uh, what we know of the uh, Firestorm uh, mix that we have right now. So, uh, do, do we think we're going to have a new Firestorm by the time of the crossover? Or do I, we think Firestorm's not going to play as large of a role? I actually know what I think it's going to be. Is I think we're going to have Firestorm, but I think it's only going to be Jax. Okay, uh, that, that's a, I did think that as well, and I didn't know... Um, if that was something that you would agree with. And I think what they're going to do is I think we're going to see that play out and then there's going to be ramifications next season and they're going to have to find another another person. But I think we're going to see only for the rest of this season uh, a single single person firestorm, which would be very, very different. Uh, but my, my personal hope, though, is we, we do get a new person. But the other thing that we even discussed, too, 
and love the idea of maybe they find a way that he can merge with anybody because I would love to see him be able to touch anybody on the team and based on who technically is the strongest at the time is the one that becomes Firestorm and Jax be the voice inside the head because wouldn't it be great to see Mick or the or Ray inside or one of those things or even to see Nate with uh you know with you know Jax in his head with him fully steeled up all these little things that you could do that could be so much fun that it seems like they would fit this show so. um I'm not gonna lie you had me at Mick yeah <laughs> I mean Mick plays with fire he would be perfect choice oh, as a new it. person out of, for, for the other half of Firestorm just to get that moment because if it were to happen man just think about what that would be like um and it just seems like it would fit this show so incredibly well and i would love to see them play with that concept yeah i i I didn't even think i didn't even put two and two together about how mick plays with fire and making him the other half of firestorm didn't even put that together until now and i think that would be even if it's only every once in a while i think that would be a brilliant choice yeah, especially hearing Mick as the inner voice of Firestorm. I mean, well, I com- think I think you would see him as the body and Jax as the mind. So, oh is- man, can you imagine seeing Dominic Purcell like on fire? Oh that- God, it'd be so good. Oh my God! No, all right, <laughs> now I'm I'm getting my hopes up too much. Uh, that's um, but, but that's been my hopes is where they're going to go because I think it's a little late for them to bring in a new character into the season. I think that's a little asking a little bit much of the show when we're just getting used to Zari. Um, I think that's the right call to make. So Okay. Uh, yeah, I think um, my best way to wrap up the, our discussion on this episode is uh, the final moment where we see young Ray going trick-or-treating and just seeing all the legends step up behind him in their costumes. And... <laughs> <laughs> Mick pointing the gun at the kids, like, give me your candy. Like And I, your allowance. And your, <laughs> your allowance. But we got we got Zari in full costume and a really nice um, version of the ISIS suit. Uh, nicely done, too. I was really impressed with it. It had a little bit of a storm vibe and a lot of classic, uh, classic ISIS costume design. So they did a great job there again. So props to the show. They, they are knocking it out of the park with that. She's stuff. not too happy with the costume. No, not at all. I don't think we'll see her wear it too much. We'll see her her wear it as much as as Nate does. Yeah, (laughs) she'll get used to it. She'll get used to it in time. Um, All right, so looking forward to next week's Legends of Tomorrow. We see Season 3, Episode 5, titled Return of the Mac. Uh, And the Legends are going to be going to 1897 London, where they're going to be hunting a time-traveling vampire. And I believe this is actually going to be the Jack the Ripper episode. Um, I'm looking through at the cast. I don't see Jack the Ripper listed anywhere. Well, I think they're basically making the vampire Jack the Ripper, from what I understand. Um, because they did say we are getting a Jack the Ripper episode this season, and they're going back to London at that time, and that would be the right time. So, okay, my guess right. is that's what we're getting. So, I'm I'm kind of pumped for that. That sounds like it'll be fun. Uh, we are going to see the return of Courtney Ford as Eleanor Dark as well, too. So, I don't know. I can't remember if. She was the wife of Damien, or was she was? I think she's the daughter. She's the daughter. She's the she's daughter the, of Damien. Because yeah. the wife died, I believe, didn't she? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, yeah it's, so, it's, it's that's like two seasons back on Arrow, so I don't quite remember. So, uh, but it's going to be fun because I hope uh, with Courtney Ford coming into play, um, I hope we're going to see some uh, some scenes with her and Brandon together. Because uh, I, if I'm if I'm right, I think that's his wife. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not too sure. 
Um, I could be wrong on that. I'm going to research this really quickly. Um, but I think Courtney Ford is Brandon Routh's wife. Uh, it is. That it's Courtney Ford is Brandon Routh's wife. So it's going to be – I hope we get to see a scene of the two of them together uh, on the show because it would be fun to see the two of them interact. Yeah. So – uh, all right. Next, lastly, Ugh, uh, the rough one. <laughs> this is going to struggle. We're going to struggle a little bit with this. Not going to lie. Um, season six, episode four of Arrow, titled "Reversal." Black Siren launches another attack on Star City just when Oliver has gotten things in order. Uh, we have a Williamless episode for starters. We do get mention of William in the episode, but he is not in it. Uh, we do get the introduction to Michael Emerson as Caden James, which I think is a night. We were talking about this yesterday. Is a nice role for him to play it would have been cool to see him as um ted cord uh, as ted cord but uh, it, it, it's not his normal type of character but i would love to see him michael everson play something different that's not quite as much of this you know slimy almost type of character i mean obviously not as much in person of interest but still it, it feels a little bit too on the nose casting, but he so, does. But he, he does, does play, play well. those characters so he does. well. I know, I know. I just love him. He's such a good actor. But I would love to see him do it something a little bit different sometimes. But you know, he's. I we both said if they're going to make Caden James an interesting character and make me care about what that Helix story was last season, that's the way to do it. Um, unfortunately, I'm not too sure about that after this episode, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those things that I had mentioned it when we were given the ratings of the show of this week's episode, that if, if it wasn't for Michael Emerson making his debut in this episode, uh, this episode would have been a... Uh, would have been a sidekick. Yeah. Uh, and I think my biggest point of contention with it, uh, and we talked a little bit about this last week, because this is the way the episode landed, ended last week, I know there are people that are happy with it. I know there are people that are loving it. I am tired of Elicity. And we got even more of it this week with the two of them going out to dinner and, you know, the the woman, oh, are you two back together? I don't care. Um, I, I don't, I feel that when it came, in particular episodes, uh, you know, the first three episodes of this season and comparing this one to that, there wasn't nearly as much action. There wasn't nearly as many fight scenes. Uh, the ones that we got were just okay. Um, this is the weakest episode of the season by far. Yeah, and you know what? I was really worried last week, and I'm like, please don't let this turn into the Felicity show again. And this week it felt like it did. And I'm like, please course correct next week. You guys really need to, because right now the plot's moving nowhere fast. And uh, this was not the right call, because all the other shows are, are, are picking up steam as far as where they're going to go. Uh, Arrow, I have no idea where it's going. I really don't, and it's... Yeah, we're only about to head into episode five, but the fact that Flash is so set on where it's going, we know where Supergirl is going. We're just not sure how it's getting there, but we know it's go- where we it's going. We know the direction it's leading, yeah. And we know we have a good idea now where Legends is going. If you ask me where Arrow is going, I have no idea. I really don't know what the hell they're planning or what the hell they're thinking because, man, they needed to come out swinging after how good last season was. And right now I'm getting really heavy season three, season four vibes, and I'm a little terrified. Yeah, no, no, I'm I'm right there with you. Now I'm very hopeful for the next two weeks uh, of the show, only because we're heading into the Slade Wilson Deathstroke uh, two part episode, um, going at starting next week with with Deathstroke returns, and then immediately after that we go from Thanksgiving into the crossover. So I'm hopeful for the next three weeks, 
of yeah. the sh- of this show next well next month in particular because they're going to take the week off for Thanksgiving. Um but uh the next 3 episodes over the course of the next month I'm very hopeful for uh because we're going to see it looks like we're going to see Oliver stepping back into the forefront of things helping going to help Slade Wilson. Uh, over the two episodes, and then hopefully returning to the mantle of Green Arrow by the time the crossover hits. So I'm very hopeful for the future episodes of this, but so far, uh, this past week's episode has left a bad taste in my mouth. Um, yeah. It, you know, you, you brought it up perfectly that this is becoming the, the Oliver and Felicity show again. And it's one of those things that when I understand... You want to try and you want to make the audience and the fans happy. But Stephen Amell has said it time and time again. This show is not about Oliver and Felicity. It's about the team. We didn't get a big focus on the team this week. We got like two scenes with John as the Green Arrow. And I'm like, why would you put him in that role if you're not going to do anything with him? Uh, And that's what actually bothered me the most about this episode. It, It really, really, really just... I was like, that's not good. Like, you could be playing up the angle of what's going on with him and a little bit more. Because after last week, I'm like, I want to know more. I want to know more. We got none of that this week. None at all. And that's, that is what's scaring me. Is It was a focus on Oliver and Felicity. And the team was such a background moment of all of it. Even Black Siren, somebody that was so excited to see as a villain, was so underutilized and poorly used again. And I'm like, man, they're... Ah, it's, no. <laughs> it's 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 bothering me a little bit, and I think honestly the other thing that scares me a little bit about Caden James, and I hate to say it too, as great of an actor as Michael Emerson is, it, it feels like we're retreading on calculator. It feels like one of the things that does does not play out well in the show, and I felt like they were smart from moving away from it more and more was when you have evil hackers, and it's kind of like. Look, I sat in front of a key. I'm going to pretty much preface IGN's review of this because I agreed 100% with everything that they said was the moment that you have a character sit down in a room, punch at a keyboard for 10 seconds, and like, there, it's done. I've just destroyed the world. And I'm like, it, it's it, – there's no – you don't earn that. You do not earn that as as writing. It, it is it is sloppy writing, and it's sloppy plotting. Um, you give us no buildup, no reason of why anything is happening, and just make everything so insanely convenient constantly when you do things like that in shows. And Arrow is falling on this, and it fell on it in the past, and I don't want to see them make those mistakes again, and it seems like they're falling right into the same trappings. So. Yeah, I mean, you can have a character as you know as great as Caden James uh, and have a character – or when I'll, I'm, let me back up. You can have an actor as great as Michael Emerson play a character like Caden James – but if the character's not developed, it, the actor can only do so much with what he has. And you're right. I mean, it, the way it was played, he immediately sat down in the chair. I'm going to take over the world. I'm going to take over the Internet. It, it's a little lackluster, um, you know, because we, we have to understand more of all we got out of this character is that he just got out of prison. Yeah. And honestly, like it felt like at the end of the episode, and I, I, I was a little tired when I was watching. I dipped in and out a couple of moments and backtracked to rewatch and I'm like, did I miss anything? And I'm like, nope, I really missed nothing. Um, and we get to the end of this episode and it's kind of like, nope, I plotted everything to play out exactly as I expected. Felicity did exactly what I wanted her to. Now, her name is all over this program that's going to happen, which is going to decimate her as a person, all this stuff. And I'm like. There was no buildup to that. You just basically told us everything at the very end of the episode, and that was it. And I know sometimes that works, and it's that cliffhanger moment. 
but it didn't feel earned. Uh, and that's what's kind of worrying me a little bit. But it now feels like it's Felicity's big bad instead of the team's big bad. Yeah, so. that's another point, too. That's another really good point is uh, that I didn't even think about until you said it. This is this is a big bad for maybe not just Felicity, but feel it, but uh, Felicity and Curtis. Um, this isn't a team big bad. I mean, I know we're going to meet Richard Dragon, but when? But well, Richard Dragon, we know too, is apparently going to be more of Diggle as Arrow's big bad, not even the big bad of the season. So I, I'm thinking Caden James is the big bad of the season now, uh, or or Richard Dragon is tied in with Caden James and Black Siren. Uh, or will be, but I have a feeling he's just going to be the big bad for, you know, the green diggle. So uh, that's, I think, where <laughs> unfortunately we're fall, fall, the, like, falling. The green diggle? Yeah, I'm just oh, going I with that. That is his moniker for me for for this season so far. Um, and But, I, you know, like I said, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't state, I did love some of the banter we saw between, uh, you know, Black Siren and Green Arrow. Uh, you know, I, I thought that was great. I thought, you know, it's like there's something different about you. It's like, oh, it's a crossbow. That's kind of cute. You know, things like that. I, I want them to play that up. But I think like the idea that scares me a little bit with this, too. And I hate to keep saying these kind of things, but this is a character that's trying to outthink everybody. The Flash is already doing that. Do something different. You know, it's it's like, oh, we're thinking we're just one step ahead. Prometheus did that last season and he did it far better. We were already well invested in what was happening when things went tits up by episode five and Tobias Church was knocked off. And we're like, wait, what, what, what's happening? This is I, – I, I'm in. But I, I'm I, – I'm no, I have no idea what they're doing. And last season where we were at this point, I'm like, I'm excited about this. This time I'm like, I am terrified. I yeah. am so terrified. So and yeah, I and I and I was somebody who kind of defended the first couple episodes of this season, saying like, no, I, I you know I think they're pretty good. I think they're they're not starting off as strong as season five, but they're still starting off pretty strong. And uh, since I've said that, I'm kind of regretting it because I feel like the show is kind of going. Now, don't get me wrong. When I say this, I'm still enjoying watching. I'm still going to continue to watch, even if we weren't doing this podcast, I would still watch the show. But I feel like the show is going downhill instead of uphill at this point. So, yeah, I, you know what, and I, you know what, by no means do I write the show off. You know, last season we were a little scared. The first couple episodes, like Tobias Church is not really that great of a big bad, and that's who we were told and met, led to believe. And it was like episode five when things completely changed around, and it's got plenty of time to do it. Um, shows have slow starts all the time, so and I, I will give them credit because of the season they gave us last season, and you know, season one, season two. And, you know, I know a lot of people loved season three and good chunks of it. And there was a good chunks of it I loved, too. They did not stick the landing. Season four was a train wreck and a half. And I think they can have a good season here. They still have enough here and they can build upon it. It's just uh, they need to course correct a little bit right now. And it's not much. It's just change the focus just slightly. And you're back on track. Um, You know, I was scared about Legends last week with Zarya. And I'm like, she is not an interesting character. The Colossus stuff they're not doing is fun. Uh, and this week, I'm like, okay, cool, I like Zari. Now build up your big bad. It's fine. You have time. You have plenty of time. Let, uh, you know, Arrow has time to do it, too. I think right now it, they could have just had a rocky start, and I will more than give them uh, all the credit in the world after last season to come out and wow me still because there's you know, we've got so much more time to do it. Oh, so. yeah, absolutely. Like you said, I, I haven't written off this show yet either. I still love the show. It's just... I think one of the reasons why everything that we're saying is coming across as so negative as it is is because it, we're coming off the heels, as you mentioned, of how great season five was. 
Yeah, and I think next the season one of the Flash, the best season of any of the, of the CW shows yet. Um, and I, I don't want them to lose that. I, I want to be in a, a perpetual state of season five. Um, I don't want to ever leave that feeling and how awesome and just amazing it was. And you know what? I think it's a little bit as difficult now too. Is that I think they're trying to fill time in the show a little bit, and this is why we're seeing things like you know those moments we're seeing Elicity happen is when we used to be getting flashbacks. And I don't know if they're if they're struggling with that. And I think it could be them trying to find how to fill that time. Maybe it's time to bring flashbacks back in some way, shape, and form. Show us other characters. What Caden James was doing that led to these moments. That's, I think, what could fix these things. And I hate to say bring the flashbacks back. I'm kind of thinking that's why we're seeing a bit of a struggle. Well, I mean, I don't have anything against the flashbacks in particular. I had what I my problem was the flashbacks that we were getting of Oliver on Lee and you. Um, A lot of that stuff felt like filler. And I we even said this when we heard that flashbacks of Lee and you were going to end, you know, at the end of the fifth season because his five year story on the island had been told. And we had brought up the idea of bringing flashbacks into it if you were going to continue with them of other, as you mentioned, of other characters. I want to see more of Renee and how he became who he is, you know, things with his daughter. I would love to see more of a backstory of Quentin and, you know, building a relationship with Katie Cassidy and Katie Lotz. If you could bring Katie Lotz back into the mix for a little bit, even just for flashback scenes. Um, we're going into these episodes with Slade Wilson and Deathstroke. Show us flashbacks of, of Slade and Joseph together. Um, or, or Jericho, you know, whoever, because uh, I think Joseph is his son's name in the upcoming episodes, but I think Joseph is Jericho, correct? Yeah, your memory is, is correct. I think that's, it's right. I, I will check that real fast. Uh, okay. Um. Uh, uh, but I mean, you know, when we're going into those these next two episodes, show us flashbacks of of Slade and Joseph together. You know, a father and son together, and how they got to this point. I'm okay with the flashbacks if they make sense to the story. Um, but I think you're right. I think not having these flashbacks, they're now having about like another five to ten minutes of episode that they have to fill. Yeah. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, Joseph William Wilson is Jericho. Yeah. Okay. Wow, I knew something before you did. Uh, my brain was like the research. Well, I know Slade. I think he has another son too, and I just can't remember his name. So I was like, ah, crap. <laughs> so, so, but yeah, I mean, it's again. You mentioned it. There's still plenty of time for this show to pick up steam and to kind of course correct a little bit. And I'm, I'm hopeful. Like I said, these next two episodes, we're going to see a lot play into uh, with Oliver and Slade. Uh, you know, with Deathstroke. After that, we have Thanksgiving going into the crossover, and I'm really hoping that by uh, the end of the crossover, Arrow's going to be going full full throttle into what their main storyline is going to be for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, because at that point, you're going to be at, what, episode eight? Yeah, yeah. At that I point? Mean, oh, and then a little quick note, yeah, because um, I think what we'll probably see is next week, if we start getting into it, we'll probably find out about the Jackal, is my guess. Uh, if we're, they're doing the Joseph story true to the comics. So, um, and I think that's a good playoff. I, I'm honestly, I'm really looking forward to seeing Slade and, and Ollie again together with commiserating about, you know, being family men almost, you know, um, and seeing kind of like that mentor relationship continue back from season one. I think it'll do something great. Um, the question is, yeah, yeah. So the other son though was also is uh, Grant. So, okay. Grant Wilson. Uh- and it looks like we are going to finally meet Richard Dragon in two weeks as well, yeah. in the second half of the Deathstroke storyline. Yep, um, episode seven. Yep. Yeah. Uh, pre- uh, no, episode six. Episode six, sorry. Episode right. six. Episode seven is the crossover. Yep, yep. Um, so, yeah. So, 
I'm kind of hoping that by the end of the crossover, we're going to see a little bit more. We'll have we'll we'll already have had that introduction to Richard Dragon. Hopefully, we'll get some kind of resolution of Diggle being the Green Arrow because let's not forget two episodes ago we got that whole stinger at the end of him doing that drug. We haven't had a thing since. Yeah, we, there was no, no no mention. There was no struggle from him this week at all. Um, yeah, like I said, little little worried. So. Yeah. But we'll see where things go. As I mentioned, looking ahead to next week uh, of Episode 5, Deathstroke returns. Uh, Slade returns and asks Oliver to help tracking down his son. Uh, and then the rescue mission gets complicated by a terrible revelation that could shatter Slade's hopes of a reunion. Yeah, which, again, my guess is we're going to get introduced to the Jackal. And the, you know, Traditionally, Jericho is mute. Uh, that's actually as a result of Slade because um, he gets to him and saves him just a bit too late in the comics. So... Uh, when I guess Joseph's throat's slit is when he uh, loses his voice permanently. So it's uh, and it's curious to see if they play into that at all, if they're going to go that far. Uh, also, I'm kind of curious on how old Joseph is going to be in this. So big questions. Um, so um, I'm really curious. It looks like the actor that's playing him is about mid-20s. Okay, so, so they're, go- they're going full on Jericho then. So. Yeah. Um, all right, well, that's kind of cool. I, I'm pretty sure I, we heard correctly this is going to be a two-episode arc. So. Yes. So I think we're going to see him for two episodes. So we'll obviously be cutting back to when uh, Rich Dragon makes his appearance against the team while we deal with Ollie and uh, Slade together. So actually, I'm kind of excited for the next two episodes. I think they'll yeah, be a I, lot of fun. So. I am, too. Like I said, you know, I'm very hopeful for, you know, the next month of Arrow mm-hmm. between that and the crossover. I can't believe we're only like less than a month away. We're like a month away from the crossover already. I know. It's insane. <laughs> I we got to figure out what we're doing for Thanksgiving. Maybe it'll be like, hi, guys. Happy holidays. Peace. Well, <laughs> <We're out. laughs> well one of the things I want to see, too, about – well, let's not forget, too, after Thanksgiving, I should – if I can pull it off, if I have any interviews in Atlanta, I might have interviews that I can play um, as audio for uh, – I might not have audio of the panels as of yet. As I still haven't even gotten audio of my panels from Secaucus, uh, from New York, New Jersey. But if I get any interviews in Atlanta, uh, I'll have audio of that. So we'll be able to play that. But I want to look ahead and see, are the other shows on break at the same time as Arrow? Or is it just Arrow that's on break? It may just be Arrow. And I hate when that happens because I like the numbering to stay the same. But hey, um, I'm looking ahead. Let's see. Episode six of Supergirl is on the 13th. Episode seven is the 20th. Yeah. So Supergirl is not on break the week of Thanksgiving, uh, which I'm assuming probably means Flash and Legends are not on break as well. So short week that week. So we, we will still have a show. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We'll still do a show. We just won't be talking Arrow. Yeah. That yeah. Week. Um, yeah. And um, Christ, you know, what? actually, one question. I, this is just for you. And normally this is something we do off the show. But hey, whatever. Uh, Legends of Tomorrow. How do we know how many episodes that they had this season? Um, nope, but I can tell you in just a second. I'm looking ahead too. When I was skipping ahead in Supergirl, uh, season seven, season three, episode seven is titled "Wake Up." Supergirl is called in to investigate an alien ship that crashed underwater. Ooh! Uh, so by Thanksgiving week, we should know what uh, what exactly that ship is that um, that we're seeing. We're gonna know who's. Uh, Who's correct? Uh, in, I, if I'm putting money on it, I'm putting money on you, sir. I, I, and then we will go back to this episode and retroactively fix those those scores. But <laughs> uh, but I'm pretty sure you're right. I didn't even think of that one through, and I think that's that's dead on, man. I think you're right where it needs to be. Uh, which could potentially also be the return of Monel before the crossover. Oh God, please let that happen. <laughs> yeah, because Crisis on on Earth X is the following week after that. Yeah. Um. Uh, there are 17 episodes of Legends of Tomorrow Season 3. Okay. 
And then shortly so almost after, almost a full season, almost a full season. But they're they're rolling straight through, I think, and because I think when we hit uh, February is Black Lightning. I want to say so. Man, new show to add into the mix. Looking uh, forward to yeah. it. Well, <laughs> yeah, I actually am. I'm actually really excited about that. So I am too. I'm looking forward to talk to to watching it and talking about it as well. All right. So news. Yes, let's talk about the news and then we can uh, get out of here. Yeah. All right, so it's a, a damn light week. So let's start off with the film stuff, then we'll transition into TV. But let's start off with Justice League. Uh, now, the producers, for the first time, are sharing an update on the sequel plans. Uh, they did say this. is uh, We want everyone to see Justice League 2. That's straight up. He's like, but I think we'll, we'll open the movie. Uh, We'll open the movie, and then we're going to see where we go from there first. So I think they're playing a big wait-and-see game here. And this is coming from uh, from uh, Charles Robin and Scott Snyder. Uh, or, you know, um, oh, no, not Scott Snyder. Sorry, Zack Snyder. So Zack Snyder <laughs> did say this, too. Uh, but it sounds like they were saying, you know, they're they're pretty pretty confident about the film, but they said they're, they're holding on immediately starting any work on the sequel. Uh, Snyder said he is not going to be the one directing, more than likely. And uh, they did say, you know, it's a big wait and see and see how people respond. Um, so they said they're they're playing it smart, figuring out if there's that needs to be additional course correction, things like that. But they are saying and internally, a lot of people are saying um, a lot of positive things for early buzz. So. All right, cool. Um, which is interesting, too, because one of the things I actually did have listed, there was another screening that I believe happened on Monday night or Tuesday night. And everybody was had to sign NDAs. And uh, one person went to Twitter and said, I can't. He's like, I just got to see uh, Justice League. Now, while I can't talk about that, I can talk about this amazing sin, which I had. And he went on basically to say, he was like, you know, the Wonder Bread was amazing, kind of obviously referencing to Wonder Woman. Uh, you know, he's like, the fish was a little underwhelming. So obviously the Flash. Uh, <laughs> well, well flish, the fish could also be Aquaman, couldn't it? Uh, it, oh, it actually, oh yeah, it was. I didn't even think about that. Aquaman is underwhelming. Uh, sorry, they did say he was. Uh, there was something about uh, I couldn't remember the the statement about um, the Dark Knight, but they did say it was the best Dark Knight. Uh, oh, the best dark meat he has ever had. <laughs> I was gonna say it had to be dark meat. Yeah, it was the best dark meat he ever had, and then he made a reference somewhere about Cyborg, saying he was absolutely pleasantly surprised by uh, the Cyborg reference that they put in there too. But it was a great way for them for him to write. Uh, a little bit more about it, but yeah. So I can tell you about this sandwich that I had. That's brilliant. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was just wonderfully done. But like, it was just kind of saying, it sounds like it's solid. Um, but yeah, so. Well, I know you and I are going to. Um, I did get invited to a screening. Unfortunately, there are no guests, so I can't bring you along. But I'm not. Um, I'm actually going to pass on it because we made the decision that we're going to go see it uh, at the same time so that we could talk about it. Uh, on the website immediately afterwards too. And so it'll be, not yeah, not opening uh, well, day. So not opening day. Well, I'll be in Atlanta during opening weekend anyway. So um, maybe some point that week, um, if we can find the time. So our uh, review to, will our review will be a week late on that one. So which is a shame. I know we like to try to be timely on that, but I think it's just a little, unfortunately for us. It, well, actually, we could still try to figure it out. We might be able to do it that Monday night because we're planning a. Uh, to give everybody a fair warning on how the next couple weeks are going to shake out, because we should probably do that before we continue the news, because I'll probably forget to talk about it. Uh, this coming week is Extra Life. Uh, we are recording Monday night. So show will de- indeed be a day late, because we will be mentally fried. Um, well, wait, well, well I, I'm thinking about this. I know one of the weeks we had decided 
that we were going to record early. That's the Atlanta one. Of, that's the Atlanta one. That's the Atlanta one, right? Okay. All right. I, I couldn't remember if it was the Atlanta one or if we, we decided to do it for, for, for Extra Life, too. Because you had said that we, when we said we were going to talk about doing Arrow on Thursday, um, you said that you had to tell Bill. I have too much. Our friend, unfortunately, I have way too much work to do before the event that I just don't think it's possible. All right. So, and I think Monday just kind of works out. Like, cause like you said, we're going to be fried yeah. on Sunday anyway. So, yeah. So, next week's episode will definitely be one day late. The week after, we will do our best to make sure it's ready for Sunday. We have a, we have a way to probably do that. And then if we have yeah. time. Maybe that Monday night we can watch uh, – we'll go see uh, the, the the flick and maybe try to do a little something really quick that night after. So Yeah, 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 for sure. So, all right, back to the news though real quick. Sorry for that little detour. Uh, but jumping into some other casting potentials, uh, a character that has been on our minds this past week because of Stranger Things, which is uh, the character of Billy Hargrove from Stranger Things Season 2, which was played by uh, Decree Montgomery. Uh, he also played Jason Lee Scott in the Power Rangers film, which was surprisingly better than expected. Is apparently the front runner to play Dick Grayson in the upcoming Nightwing film. Um, I actually would be really all for this. I think he was a really, honestly, a really great character in Power Rangers. They played him wonderfully. But um, he was this fantastic douchebag in Stranger Things, but played it so <laughs> incredibly well. And if it's just a little bit of a, a little bit of a shift to the left where you can make him a suave douchebag. And that's a perfect Nightwing. So <laughs> um, so let's see how that plays out. But uh, I think that's a great casting. I think it's a really good, great casting for uh, for Decree potentially being the, the the main person. But he's the one that posted this to Twitter, and it was since deleted. So uh, it just was a picture that said dot, 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 and it was a photo of Nightwing. Somebody screen captured uh, it. And then it went away. So, <laughs> you know, I I never get why they delete things off of Twitter once they post it, because, you know, once it's out there, it's, it's out. It's there. out there. Uh, but if he's a front runner, there's a high chance that they said, you got to get that down. The dam- Hopefully nobody will see it. So but uh, especially after everything with Stranger Things this past week, everybody's going to be watching these people like a hawks. So, hey, uh, it is what it is. But I think that would be great casting, though. Speaking of casting, let's head over into uh, Shazam. And it looks like Grace Fulton, who was uh, actually worked with uh, the director, which is uh, David F. Sandberg, uh, and she also appeared in Annabelle Creation, because that's where they originally worked, is up for potentially one of the major roles being Mary Marvel. So Billy Batson's sister. So I'm kind of curious to see that plays out. Uh, and there's also some discussions that Mark Strong could be playing the big bad, which is Dr. Savannah. So... Um, not not a problem there in my mind. I think that's all great, great decisions. So uh, it's just a little bit of time to wait and see how that plays out. But I would assume we'll get confirmation on those probably in the next month or two because I think they did say early 2018 for filming. So, All right. So uh, let's head over into the realm of TV. Not a ton to talk about. Uh, just really just two stories with a little kind of uh, extra exclamation point on it. But. We do now know when Grant Gustin's version of Barry Allen will be meeting up with DeVoe. That sounds like that will be in episode 407. Uh, so air date of 1121. So right before the crossover. And they said this is them putting the finishing touches on the wedding, which is a week away. So that is when he will come face to face with DeVoe. And DeVoe's past is going to be revealed through some flashbacks throughout the course of the episode. Um, it's it's it seems like we're going to be getting a lot of the lead in to the remaining 
episodes of the seasons right before the crossover. Oh, get this. And oddly enough, same week, episode number 607, entitled Thanksgiving for Arrow. Full week that week, guys. Arrow is not taking off. It's, oh, okay. 11, that, I... Air date 11-23-2017, guys. So same day as Thanksgiving. Um, and unfortunately, it is a Elicity Thanksgiving as Oliver and Felicity celebrate Thanksgiving oh, with William. Oh, God <sighs> damn it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> really? Uh, damn it. <laughs> well, I'll be watching that episode later. Yeah. <laughs> or drunk. Just do I mean, it it'll drunk. Be Thanksgiving. Just do it drunk. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. exactly. It's okay. It's all good. Oh, man. So, all right. Would have been better off without an episode that week. Uh, <laughs> sorry. sorry, we're not bitter, folks. I apologize. <laughs> uh, but anyway, the the story that one, uh, well, many of us have been waiting for um, was first teased in a cover sheet for the script that says episode number 310 of Legends of Tomorrow titled Daddy Darkest. Great title, by the way. And on that cover sheet is a red necktie with a cigarette. And I'm like, normally they don't do a lot of color images, but I love that it's there. And we did get confirmation from a screen cap showing Matt Ryan's John Constantine on a monitor shot standing next to Ray Palmer. Uh, So we do officially know Daddy Darkest is indeed the episode where we will be seeing him. And all of us are just absolutely excited. So, yes. Mm hmm. Uh, oh, and actually, interestingly enough, let me put this little note in here because I even missed this little tidbit. It said Constantine, whose solo 2015 series on NBC ended after one season, will join the Legends in their time traveling epi- uh, uh, efforts for a two episode arc that begins with the se- series 10th episode, Daddy Darkest. So, man, episode Yay. 10 and 11, we get double Constantine this year. That's fantastic. So, yes, I love Constantine. Matt Ryan is so great in that role, too. Like, I, I'm so glad that they're finding ways to fit him in to the universe in other ways. And they just need to find a way and say, screw it, dude. We just need you get you in as a series regular somewhere. And it, it yeah. needs to happen. So, oh, that's awesome. All right. Uh, that does it for uh, news this week, guys. I guess we can do some quick recommendations. We'll uh, say a couple things and get out of here. Yeah. Um, recommendation, obviously, I think this is this will be the last week that we end up doing this is um, uh, Extra Life is coming up next weekend. As Robin mentioned, we're going to be participating in game day. Game day was actually officially uh, yesterday, this this past Saturday. But we uh, our friend Bill got married, so we didn't do it. So next week we are going to be doing our official game day midnight to midnight. Some of us even longer. Uh, I think some of us from like nine to midnight. most of us are actually doing nine to midnight. Um, the majority yeah. of us actually are, it sounds like. So, uh, yeah, so it's going to be, um, it's penance. It's going to be it, a lot of fun. penance for being a week late. So <laughs> <laughs> that we're doing it a little bit longer. Um, and I think what I, I think what I might do, cause a lot of us like to post from, uh, game day. Uh, I know Bill does a lot of Facebook live. I do some Facebook live, things like that. I think, uh, for our listeners who donated, um, and even the ones that didn't, uh, this will be your last chance this week, by the way, uh, go to extralife.org. Uh, I actually reached my goal. So, um, which was amazing. I it's an amazing know. kind of Cinderella story for you on this one, buddy. I did it in a day, which is, which was $10 great. $10 um, to over 500 in one day. In one day, which was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm like uh, like 500 and like 80. Oh, I can tell you exactly uh, and, where you are because I'm on the page. And I still have more. And I still have more people who are donating this week. 
So uh, I'm I've not yet. Um, You're at five sixty of your five hundred dollar. So five sixty. So I think um, I think our friend Kenny needs um, a little bit of support on his. actually not Kenny. So I actually have another name for you guys, and it's a person that's been uh, somebody that has helped carry our team for so many years. Uh, had a really rough year. Um, not just from that, but personally, that kind of affected his time to be able to do some extra work. Uh, but if you get a chance, look for somebody by the name of Tom, T-O-M, and it's his Callahan, C-A-L-L-A-H-A-N. Uh, there's a picture of him looking like he's wearing a black felt beard. So when you see it, that is a nice little community reference from the darkest timeline. Uh, so, But if you could... Uh, send your donations to our good friend Tom. He's raised well over $1,000 the last several years for us. He's currently sitting at 75 um, It's just, again, because unfortunately so much has been happening with him for right now, and I just want to pay it back to somebody that has done so much for this art community in Extra Life. Uh, if you could, like I said, T-O-M space C-A-L-L-A-H-A-N, and just say many hugs, DC primetime, and you are good to go, sir, and we'll get you guys all added in for the uh, raffle. So remember every $10 is one entry for every 50 or sorry for every 50 you do is 10 entries. So, yeah. So, um, and even if you've donated to either myself or Rob already, please, and you feel like making another, another donation, you can make that donation to Tom and your donation will, um, will pile, will stack, uh, with your other donations to either myself or Rob. So, uh, there are actually enough entries in there that we will be giving away all of the prizes. Uh, but that doesn't mean you still don't have a good shot at winning a $10 donation for one raffle entry. You still have a good shot at winning one of the prizes. Uh, the images of the prizes is on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash DC primetime. It's a lot of cool artwork. So, uh, and some of which I'll be getting signed in Atlanta and, um, I mean, who knows? I, I I don't know what I'll get when I'm Atlanta. Maybe I'll score another prize. I'm not making a guarantee on that, but um, the five the five items that we have to give away, plus I think you had some board games and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. Some of them may actually go to some of our comp- competitors too that are going through the the tournament. Uh, but the DC stuff will all definitely go to you guys. I do have a board game or two that will definitely be getting thrown into the mix as well, though. Yeah. Uh, so this is the final week uh, to make the donations before we participate in game day next Saturday. Uh, but as I was talking about before, I think what I'm going to do this year, Rob, and we can talk about this a little bit more afterwards, is I think I'm going to set up a Facebook page specifically for our game day posts uh, in which we can let people – um, invite people to be a part of so that they can watch. Um, and we'll all be administrators on it. So if I go live on Facebook or Bill goes live on Facebook, they'll all show up on this page. Mm-hmm. Um, so that this way people can, and cause I know a lot of people that I donated that, that donated to me that I'm not personal friends with on Facebook that would like to check in. So this is a way that we don't have to be friends with them on Facebook that they can still, you know, through Facebook, watch our posts and things like that. Mm-hmm. So we and we'll set- do, our giveaways will definitely be on the DC primetime page, though. I think that's the smart place for us. So because yeah. if you guys miss those posts, uh, we want to make sure that if you've donated and entered the raffle, you will definitely see the drawings as they happen. So Yeah, we haven't figured out a time that we're going to do that. We're not going to do it, obviously, at like three o'clock in the morning. Um, but we'll we'll figure out a time, maybe like mid afternoon to early evening on Saturday. We'll we'll go live on Facebook and we'll give away the the, the prizes for everybody who donated. To yep. Life. So, um. Unless you have another recommendation, I think that's a good one for both of us. 
Uh, actually, the only one I, I really had, too, is, is just an extra little fun thing this week, too, is uh, just because of the elongated man, I have to just nod people back to the first season of Justice League Unlimited, episode number seven, The Greatest Story Never Told. It's primarily a Booster Gold episode, but there are some really great Ralph Dimmy uh, elongated man episodes, uh, or um, not episodes, but moments from that episode that just make me smile and still one of my favorites. So get a chance to go back, spend 22 minutes, and, and just get a good laugh, so... I don't know if you saw this too, but I think it comes out later this month. There is a DC animated film box set coming out that is like 30 DC animated films, uh, including like Killing Joke and and all of them and a bunch of like shorts and stuff that are in it too. It's like a $250 box set. Oh, I need this. (laughs) uh, That, um, yeah, I think comes out, I think later this, actually I think it's November 7th. I think it's this Tuesday. Oh, holy crap. I, yeah. I'm I'm pulling this up on Amazon right now. <laughs> I will probably not be buying it, but I uh, two hundred bucks, two hundred bucks. Okay, so I knew it was in the two hundred dollar range. Um, but is is it November seventh? It's this week. Right? Uh, I can tell you, it is called the DC Universe tenth anniversary collection. It is thirty movies. Uh, on Blu-ray that Amazon's got it posted right now is for two hundred eleven dollars. Best Buy's got it listed for one ninety nine. Uh, because it's in pre order, more than likely. You'll see Amazon match that pricing, but this is a Blu-ray set. Um, and if you guys are curious as far as what's in there, let me see if I can. Yeah, I know find there's it. some artwork and. Yeah, so and the others. full. So I'll even read this just because it's. Uh, this is a limited edition numbered collection. Includes 30 DC Universe original movies and so much more. Films are based on the. Uh, I'm just reading this line for line are based on the inspired by storylines or characters from within the ever expanding DC Entertainment Library. The stories range from the, from films based on upon. Classic, you know, comic graphic novels uh, such as Doomsday, uh, Superman, Doomsday, Justice League, New Frontier, Batman, The Dark Knight Returns, Batman, The Killing Joke to films inspired by uh, themes from within DC history. Batman versus Robin uh, from inspired by Court of Owls, Superman versus Delete from What's So Funny About the Truth, Justice in the American Way to original stories, Justice League, Gods and Monsters, Batman, Harley Quinn. And then it says uh, extras include 20 hours of special features, including over two hours of all new content. Um, yeah, sorry, two hours of all new content, exclusive collectible coins, an exclusive 40-page adult coloring book f- featuring key art from all of the DC Universe animated films. The films included in this 30-disc set, which, dear God, that's insane, <laughs> Superman, Superman Doomsday from 2007, Justice League, The New Frontier, such a great film, from 2008, The Wonder Woman animated film from 2009, Green Lantern, First Light, 2009, Batman, Under the Red Hood, 2010, Superman, Batman, Apocalypse, 2010, Batman Year One from 2011, Justice League Doom from 2012, uh, The Dark Knight Returns Part One and Two from 2013, Superman Unbound from 2013, Justice League Flashpoint Paradox from 2013, Justice League War from 2014. Running out of breath here. <laughs> I don't S- think you have to Son- name them all. I mean, it's uh, might as well. I'm almost there. Son of Batman from 2014, Batman Assault on Arkham 2014, Justice League Throne of Atlantis 2015, Batman versus Robin 2015, Justice League Gods and Monsters from 2015, Batman Bad Blood from 2016. Justice League Teen Titans from 2016, Batman the Killing Joke 2016, Justice League Dark 2017, Teen Titans the Jews Contract 2017, and Batman Harley Quinn 2017, and it says plus six more. Uh, We don't know what those are, so. But uh, that's a lot of movies to watch, but for for 200 bucks, not too shabby, so. 
Um, so I'm curious on what this other six films would be. I would love to see them be like the best episodes of like Batman, the animated series and stuff like that. So, well, I don't think were the, were the Cape Crusaders mentioned in there at all? No, they weren't. So they might be in the mix there somewhere too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it says, but there's six additional films in addition to those. So, uh, I'm very curious to see how that pans out, but that's a really just amazing box set. That's a. That's pretty impressive. So, if I still owned digital content, it would be worth it. I mean, if yeah. I if I still owned physical media, it would be worth it. But I oh. don't own physical media anymore. Everything I have is digital. And officially from Best Buy, it's actually thirty one discs. So, okay. um, but yeah, that's a uh, that's pretty impressive though. All in all, so yeah, I'm very curious to see what the the re- results of this is. But I love the fact that these are all Blu-ray. So, and the the box set. If you want a chance to check it out, take a good look. It looks absolutely gorgeous. So. Yeah. Um, all right. So, um, <laughs> you can tell we're getting to the end of this recording. Yeah. Um, and it's my cat is making like a ton of noise in the background. <laughs> um, uh, cheap plugs. And then we can get out of here. Uh, as I we've talked about before, I can be found on the Showcast Spotlight here on the Next Level Podcast Network. Uh, this That podcast, as well as all other podcasts, can be found at nextlevelradioonline.com or facebook.com slash nextlevelradioonline. And, of course, the Facebook page for this particular podcast, DC Primetime, can be found at facebook.com slash DC Primetime. And as for me, you can always find me also through Next Level, through the Caffeine Crew cast of pods. We just did our episode uh, this past Monday for Halloween, which is still yet to be, uh, you know, edited by me (laughs) because, dear God, I can't wait for a break on things. Um, But hopefully I'll get to that tonight, Um, if not the latest tomorrow night, and Ben will have it. So that'll be up uh, only a week late. So, but it's uh, (laughs) our fun little discussions of horror films, Uh, very specifically uh, just uh, some of our favorite tropes and couple other things but it was a fun episode to do and it will be with you very very soon i apologize for the delay but you can always to make sure to check out our good friend george shaw at georgeshawmusic.com we thank him each and every week for the music you get to hear on this podcast yeah um and as always we thank you guys for being a part of the community thank you for uh for posting for sharing for subscribing if you subscribe on itunes and google play we ask that you if you can please just please leave us a review on there as well uh, but other than that, next week we're into week five of the shows. And I think that about does it for yeah. this week. I think Hellboy also comes out to Injustice this, this week, too. So, Ooh. See, I've updated my game recently, too, so I have everybody other than the whatever ones need to come out. Yeah, it's 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 that one, and then we've got Adam, and then two additional, so I'm sure we'll hear about them very soon. And so. I just haven't, but I haven't been playing it because I've been stuck on it. Uh-huh. Yeah, I stopped Mario Odyssey to watch Stranger Things. Now I want to go back to play Mario Odyssey. So. Yeah, I already beat Mario Odyssey. Now I'm just trying to collect extra moves. <laughs> I'm in World 3. I'm really behind. So. <laughs> so, uh, but thank you for being a part of this. Uh, until next week, we'll see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace. Peace.